We are now joined in this half hour by Attorney Thomas DeVore. And uh, Attorney DeVore, thank you so much for joining us. Because first of all, as you know, with what Greg and I make, we could probably only afford about seven minutes of legal time with you. So it's very nice that you give us more than that, which we appreciate. But, uh, yeah, well, I tell you what, with what I've been charging most people the last few months, which is almost nothing, and I'm happy to do it, we, we'll be good. You guys won't owe me very much. <laughs> <laughs> Terrific. Well, let's let's get to the latest on what's going on here. Now Now we've got the governor suing schools. I mean, what, what's up with that? <laughs> well, you know, not only is he suing schools, I've talked to, I'm going to represent these school districts, and what these school districts feel, which I agree with, is he's not just suing schools, he's suing children and parents, because these school districts have made decisions that are a reflection of the desires and wishes of the parents and children which attend their institutions. And so they being dissatisfied with them following a path that their parents and children want them to follow, that he, he jumps out and sues the school. So as far as they're concerned, it's the governor engaged in suing and intimidating parents and children across the state. That's what they feel, and I agree with them. What kinds of um, uh, guidelines are these school districts you're you're going to be representing here? Um, what kinds of guidelines are they going to implement locally? You know, they they implement what I thought makes perfect sense, and I absolutely believe it would probably be legal. Which you know, the law is uh, seems to be something that's been forgotten by the executive branch and administrative agencies. But their proposition was going to be: look, we're as far as the face mask, which is a big one for people. We're going to recommend that you wear them. We're not going to tell you that you have to, and if you don't do that, you're prohibited from entering this building. We recommend that you wear one. If you want to wear one, wear it. If you don't, you don't. And if, at least for the one public institution, which is is different than private, they would say if you are not comfortable sending your kid into our school, knowing that it's a recommendation, we're going to offer you remote learning. That's what the Hudsonville was particularly proposing and still are as far as I know, which is a big difference, gentlemen, than saying you have to wear a mask or you don't come into this building and get an education inside these walls. Uh, and then if you – so if you don't want to do that, well, then you can remote learn. That's two completely different things when you break it apart. And Tom, you've also um, sued on behalf of yourself and uh, your school-aged children. Uh, and uh, there's an interesting interplay here when it comes to the Illinois High School Association. Um, lay it out. What was what was their response to you when you asked them how they're going to enforce their guidelines for sporting events? Well, if you looked at that, and if anybody's looked at the email that Executive Director Craig Anderson sent to my superintendent when I asked my superintendent to send the question, is in a legal sense, we don't have any authority to create these rules and recommendations or guidelines and whatever. You know, when you use the word must, not only do lawyers look at that as a compulsory rule, everyday people who aren't attorneys go, must means I have to do something or there's consequences, right? I mean, that's as human beings, that's how we think. You tell me I must do something, and I don't do it. Every human being on the planet with an IQ over 180, it doesn't take much, says, well, I'm going to get in trouble. Well, Mr. Anderson at least was honest enough, so I'll give him that due respect and say, well, I don't. They don't have any really legal way to do this. They're just guidelines, and, oh, we're never going to enforce them or try to penalize anybody because, one, they can't. And, you know, so we really don't have any citation of authority. 
my superintendent was livid when he read that email, uh, and I got it. And then when I talked to the, one of the executive director assistants, who was very kind, uh, able to answer, was willing to answer my questions, which I, I admire greatly, says, oh, these, these guidelines slash rule requirements that the governor's office said we had to add into our own phase four plan, our own sports medicine committee with his bunch of health professionals don't agree with it. Yet the governor's office is trying to dictate to this private organization what they had to put in their return to play plan for kids playing sports. Rules and requirements on the children of this state that are member schools of the HSA that these doctors and medical professionals on that committee, and I read the committee's credentials, there's a lot of doctors and nurses on there. And that's, we're not, we can't recommend that. And if you read the press release, the Illinois High School Association that they put out, I think, on the 14th of July, they acknowledge that disagreement and that inconsistency between their medical professionals, which is a whole list of people that we know who they are. That's a big difference, gentlemen. We know who those medical professionals are. Who's the medical professionals that's got Deputy Governor Ruiz, I think that's his name, sending an email to the Illinois High School Association saying, you are required to add these. Who are the medical professionals doing that? We don't know because the governor's office will never tell us. He just says it's the facts and science. Well, that facts and science that Mr. Ruiz is trying to force down the throat of these private organizations is inconsistent with what we know those medical professionals, you can read their name on the website, says they don't agree with it. And I, I would suggest to you gentlemen that that kind of stuff going on that we've now figured out with the IHSA, the same stuff going on with the ISBE and the Department of Health, when they're trying to force these other rules uh, on the yeah. school districts. Well, that, that that's consistent, too, uh, Tom, with what uh, Matt Troya with the IHSA reached out to me July 10th after I requested an interview on it. He was talking about the Illinois Department of Public Health has to approve their guidelines, and they'd wait to prefer to talk about it until then. You know, you know what? Yeah, exactly. That's, that's, so, so they just they print out a press release and then don't really want to talk about it. I, I don't get it. So Tom, you've because got... they took off. Go ahead. Go ahead, gentlemen. Well, I was just going to say, you've got um, so many different uh, cases going on here. Uh, I can't imagine what your calendar looks like. Uh, but one case that kind of really spurred all of this on was uh, the case that you representing uh, State Representative Darren Bailey. You got that um, two counts in favor of Bailey uh, earlier this month, July 2nd, down in Clay County. There was supposed to be a hearing Friday, right? What happened? There's supposed to be a hearing, but you know what? I've... Uh... We have, we're going to file a response to their motion to dismiss count one, which is like, it's a complicated nuance. Uh, it's not really a big deal. But here's what I, what I wanted some more time for, because this is what's coming uh, on this. And this is how we're going to finally put the governor back where he needs to be, which is doing whatever it is he wants to do. I mean, maybe go figure out how to uh, put the toilets back in his mansion so he might pay some profit. I don't care what he does. There, if you guys look at the definition of a public health emergency in the Illinois Emergency Management Agency Act, and you start applying it county by county, the governor, in his proclamations of disaster, has said there is a public health emergency in every county, 102 of them. Okay, if you look at the definition of a public health emergency in the statute, and you apply it to the facts of total population, positive cases, people tested, and number of people who have passed, 
gentlemen, I'm not, I, I am a doctor. I'm not that kind of doctor. There is no public health emergency in most of these counties. The statistical data is so insignificant. There is no public health emergency. So I'm going to amend Darren Bailey's case, and I'm going to start filing a bunch of other cases across this state that quite simply say there is no public health emergency. Sorry. You don't have any power, Governor, to issue executive orders in this county. And if i got to go to every county, I'll do it because that's really where this lies. The governor's created this ruse with all of his facts and science that we've never seen that our whole state he, – he, he always aggregates it together in these big old numbers, which I don't believe are as significant as he might try to make it seem. But it's easier for him to obfuscate and to make things – you know, create this ruse of his – on a statewide level. You start breaking that apart county by county, gentlemen, do it for yourselves. For example, Sangamon County, which is where I'm going to start at probably, 197,000 people in Sangamon County, 197,000. They've tested over 40,000, which is over 20% of their population. 640 positive cases and 30 people passed away. 34. If you do the math on that and you apply it to the definition in the statute, which says you have to have a widespread loss of death or a high probability of a widespread infection and sickness and future loss of, of life, you laugh about it because it's not even remotely close. Well, and if you look and at that's uh, where I'm going with Darren's case. Yeah, and I was just going to say, if you look at some of the uh, uh, metrics uh, outlined in the state's data now with uh, 11 different regions, and the governor um, kind of reformulated that uh, last week, uh, and I'm looking at this right now, the state's website, uh, Region 3, which has Sangamon County, um, and also Region 6 that has uh, Macon County, and uh, it's pretty much all of central Illinois now, split into two different regions. The hospitalizations, for instance, Region 3 that has Sangamon County, it says that uh, over seven days, and this is as of the 16th, as of seven days, there have been three hospitalizations right now, an increase of one. And then for Region 6, which has the likes of Decatur, for instance, there's three hospitalizations with an increase of one. And that's for a dozen counties in each region. Craig, you're exactly right. Those numbers. And, and here's what they're trying to do. And you know what? And unfortunately, they have some success because people, you know, want to trust their government. They shouldn't right now. They're trying to talk about the positive cases, and they're trying to create this hysteria. Oh, the positive cases, the positive cases. Positive cases are not even the relevant question. Of course people have had positive cases. Look how many positive cases of the flu we had this season. It'll be, it'll be significantly more than the COVID. But what about people, as you just said, are being hospitalized or people that are passing away, right? Are we going to completely destroy our economy and just completely destroy people's rights? to keep them from testing positive. Not only do I think that's absurd policy, I don't think it fits the definition of a public health emergency. And before we go, if we could talk about this lawsuit that the governor filed in Sangamon County for a bit, I'd appreciate it too. Uh, we got a break right now and we got a news. Can you keep it to 30 seconds? Go ahead and tell us. Yeah, the, the governor, when he got sued in Clay County, tried to transfer that case to Sangamon County because it touches every corner of the state and it was really important. They lose in Clay County. Now, all of a sudden, well, that case only applies in Clay County. So that, that's, it's only enforceable in Clay County because that judge ruled there. But yet he goes and sues three school districts in Sangamon County for the exact same type of issue. 
And he's going to what? Now try to tell the people of the state, well, this Sangamon County Courthouse, if it gives a ruling in his favor, applies to all these other counties? Somebody needs to reconcile that, especially the governor, because it doesn't make any sense. It's irrational. And the governor last week did say that uh, the Clay County decision only dealt with Darren Bailey and only in that county, but the judge's order said that it's good for all Illinoisans across the state. Yeah. Yeah. So what's an order from Sangamon County? Should he get one in his favor? How does that affect Kendall County and the other counties where these school districts are at? Somebody ought to ask him that. All right. Thomas DeVore, attorney, greatly appreciate your time. All right. Thank you.